maybe nothing on earth is changing faster than content. I mean, consumers are in total command and they want it all and they want it right now or whenever they want it. If you listen to us recently sharing about the Smith-Geiger study on uh, radio, you know there's one also for television with Futuri. Uh, that is available right now on our podcast. We'll talk more about that shortly. Uh, you heard about how radio listeners and TV viewers or streamers want control. We're going to talk about that today, right now. Welcome to our Wednesday live event called Innovation in Audio. My name is Lloyd Ford with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. Higher ratings are not a mystery. They're a practice. It's what we do. Our music lab prevents music drift. Our morning show, Fame Development Coaching, puts the accent and action in the right places to build robust ratings opportunities. And of course, clients, they like our branding candy specifically because it focuses your images on your local market and separates you sharply from competitors in a great way. Ask us about encouragement too. It's one of our services. If you know somebody who's looking for fresh answers and a new path forward, to success, we'd love to help. Reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. This live event is part of a podcast series called The Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and will be available later tonight right after this live broadcast ends. And of course, it's available anywhere you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. Today, we are going to visit with Matt Goldberg. Now, listen, he is the vice president content strategy at the NBCU-owned TV stations in Los Angeles. And, of course, uh, social media guru Dawn Day, who is the host of Vitamin D with Dawn Day. And, and that is a podcast, of course. Before we get started with our current guest, I'd like to give you just a little preview of what is coming next week on Innovation and Audio on Wednesday, November the 10th. We have Grant Dudson, who is the creative director at an agency called Chorus Agency in London, England. And yes, if you calculate that up, he is going to be staying up late to have this conversation with us. It's going to be lots of fun. See our full upcoming guest calendar in our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. That's where you're also going to find free encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series. And for local radio sellers, we have something really special, our encouraging sales success series, as well as free resources for anyone in the radio business or audio business today. We don't lock away anything on our site the way some consultants do. So go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime and get uh, all whatever free information you can get from us, because it's quite a lot of content there for you. Let's talk with today's guest now. Our very first guest is Matt Goldberg. Now, listen, Matt is the VP of content strategy for the NBC You Owned TV stations in Los Angeles. In this role, Matt leads the team that developed and launched NBC LX, I hope I'm saying that right, Matt. And of course, Matt has been with NBC for 17 years, previously working as the assistant news director at KMBC in Los Angeles and at NBC Bay, uh, NBC in the Bay Area as well. Prior to moving into news management, Matt was an investigative producer in Los Angeles, where he won numerous local and national awards for his work. We seem to live in absolutely crazy times, so uh, we're just going to bring Matt on. And Matt, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So you've got it. You've got it. Uh, we're grateful to have you. You've got to tell us, is it really as crazy as we think it is for content right now? In other words, you know, it would seem to me that your job is completely crazy, and so is all of our jobs because everybody thinks they're in content now. How is television keeping up with the ever-growing desire for fresh content? Um, you know, I think I don't know if we're keeping up, but we're trying to, um, and I think that's really it. Content is king. It really is more than ever. There's so many places to consume it, and I think for television. It's all mm -hmm. about finding the audience. Um, people don't watch 
TV in the traditional sense that um, they have over the years. Television can be on a phone. Television can be on a pad. Television can be in a park. It could be in a car. And I and think, soon in the metaverse, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. And I, th- I think that's that's the key. Is um, as as content creators, it's you know finding great stories and bringing them to an audience, but finding our audiences. Well, let me ask you this, and you know we've not talked about this, but is it experimental? Is, is television now, does television have to be more experimental to find that right content? I think so. I think that, you know, I, I think what our industry has been through in the last year and a half with COVID. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I mentioned this in the past, but it, it feels like as an industry, we've all jumped off of a cliff together, um, you know, in, in, in that the, the boundary of formality is gone. Um, you can watch a newscast and I can be live in my living room and that's okay. Um, you know, that's really brilliant. I've never heard anybody put it that way, but it is more casual. It's completely casual, right? Absolutely. And you know, when you think about television news and how the, the formula of an anchor at an anchor desk talking to an audience, it, it, that, that formality is going away. It's the, the, the goal of TV, which is to take viewers somewhere, is probably more alive now than ever. Oh, that makes me think that television news is going to uh, change in a fundamental way that maybe we're not even thinking about yet. How important is local today? I think it's more important than ever. Um, because we live in, in, sure, a global universe, but people mm-hmm. want to know what's happening in their backyard. They want to know what's happening in their communities. But they also, I think the concept of local is evolving. Um, and it's, it's part of the DNA and the identity of NBCLX, which our tagline is every story is local. But the idea that I can tell you a hyper-local story of something that's happening in a, a suburb of New York City say, a a community in New Jersey. And if you're watching and consuming that content in San Diego, California, there's a takeaway. How is this community dealing with homelessness? How is this community dealing with climate, um, with budgeting? And, you know, I think local has a broader sense of of community that we all have to connect with. That's very interesting. And, you know, we haven't I don't know if we're going to discuss social directly, but gosh, I would think with social, you put these stories out. You don't know where your stories are going to go. Exactly. I mean, it, we, the global village truly exists. And, and that's that's what's exciting is that you can, you know, a great story can really go everywhere. Well, and not to take away from other markets, but when you're talking about a market like Los Angeles or New York City, People are interested in those markets everywhere, right? Absolutely. And and interested in what's happening in, in cities across the country. I mean, we, we watched uh, an election unfold yesterday. Um, you know, I think the whole country yeah. was paying attention to what was happening in, in Minnesota. And, and uh, were they going to change strategy on, on police and public safety? And those are all conversations that are happening across the country. I think there's a lot of unanswered questions, and it's interesting of where do you put the pulse because everybody's so strung out for their side and everybody wants the news they want, which is really crazy. Nobody wants the news. They want the news they want. Well, this certainly is a danger in social. um, Right. Because we tend to follow what we want to follow. Um, And um, but I think if if we can leverage these great platforms that allow us all to connect the right way, then we can be exposed to stories and, and opinions and decisions and um, perspectives that we don't normally get to hear. Well, you know, look, I get really fascinated with people when I get to do the research on them, especially when I found out things like I found out about you. So, look, here's a quote about you directly. Quote, Matt created and led the largest unit of investigative reporters, producers, and photographers in local news. He and his leadership, his fierce 
advocacy, and tremendous depth of knowledge and experience brought out the best in his team, boosted ratings, and made KNTV a destination station and the most imitated station in the market, unquote. Those are some pretty strong words about your work. What is it about you and your makeup, your DNA, that essentially makes you driven to create a radio station that inspires imitation, like what was said in this quote? Wow. Well, yeah, that was, that was a great uh, endorsement by a colleague. And um, to be honest, it's got nothing to do with me. It's about – Oh, really? For me, it's about teamwork. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a good leader um, is about building an amazing team. And, um, you know, I think what I did in the Bay Area several years ago in building a large investigative team was about management, willing to take a risk and make an Mm -hmm. investment, but also, you know, finding the right people and letting them do their jobs. Um, And, you know, investigative is about taking a magnifying glass to a problem, exposing it and and shedding light and sharing it with the world. And I think um, when people have great ideas, you've got to let them run with them. Um, So it's really, it's less about me and more about the people that I think I assembled. You know, I, I think it's really interesting that you point to teamwork so many times. And I've noticed that in conversation with you. I also want to point out that this investigative background of yours, you know, people have become smitten with one podcast, but now you see that they've had a couple of these podcasts that revolve around crime and investigation, and that's become a real big fascination for people. Do you think we'll see more of that kind of content? I hope so. I mean, I think investigative reporting is is great journalism. And I think people want to know what's happening in their world and they want to know why things are happening. And, um, it's fundamental to, you know, I think that's the job of journalism is to, is to question everything. Mm, That's interesting. And people do want to always know why, like if something tragic happens, they're like, why did this happen and how can we prevent it in the future? And of course, nobody can tell the future. What are the right kinds of content as we roll into 2022, which will be here in like three minutes? In other words, is there a specific focus in your mind on content that works for the consumer now, maybe more than it ever has? I think it's a little bit more of that why. I mean, if you look right. at what we're trying to do with NBCLX, it is a brand why. Um, I think the formula of in television of, of formulaic news has, has sort of stopped working and it's driven people away. Um, you know, I, I've worked in this business for Gosh, north of 20 years. We'll leave it at that. Um, And I think um, people who don't work in TV can literally write on a blank piece of paper what a newscast looks like. They know it's going to start with this crime story and then it's going to go to another negative story. And then, you know, weather hits at this time, sports hits at this time. I think what's working, at least what I see working, is Mm -hmm. really focusing on depth and context and and that word the why um why are things the way they are why do we have a mental health crisis in this country why do we have a climate problem in this country and then and then what can i do to you know people want solutions and don't Um, you think this is going to rotate and become even a louder cry for the why because that word why i mean that's a real big millennial word right they want to know Tell us what's behind. We don't don't give us the stuff. Tell us why. Yeah, no, I, I think, and I, I'm I am smitten with millennial and Gen Z audiences, um, primarily because of that. I think as we we built NBCLX, focusing on a younger audience, um, we lo- we leaned heavily on what those audiences were building or watching in in the digital space and on YouTube and. It was longer form journalism. It was really um, getting to the nuance of a topic and, and, and citing like, you know, this isn't just what I'm telling you, but here's where I got this information from. You know, uh, I, I'm listening to you talk about this project and I would like to know, do you know how many stations are doing this kind of move with their, with their product around the country? 
you know, they always say that things start in New York and they start in Los Angeles and they move inward in the country. Yeah, you know, it, I, I don't have a, a hard number. I can tell you from the group I work in within the NBC Universal team. So, mm -hmm. you know, we are 11 NBC owned and operated TV stations. We are 32 Telemundo stations, and then we are uh, multiple regional sports networks. Um, all of our stations are, are focusing on this and, and making a lot of um, inroads and, and changes. You know, NBCLX, while it's a new product and, and, a, and a, a, a network, it's also an innovation lab and a test ground for all of our stations. So the idea was before we take a newscast at WNBC in New York or KNBC in Los Angeles or WMAQ in Chicago and blow it up, let's experiment and try what we think might work. And if it resonates, let's take those learnings and and spread them out among our stations. So, but I, I will say that I, I definitely see a lot more focus on um, longer form journalism, more authentic storytelling, um, plain speak. You know, the 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 robotic anchor is not as important as it used to be. Hmm. Well, you know, it's really interesting. I, on the radio side, uh, I have a practice that that focuses some on television and some on radio. But on the radio side of what I'm doing, uh, we really try to get people to obviously uh, see their path to innovation. We would like to see more creativity and more experiments. Do you feel like television is just at that tipping point where it has to be more experimental? It has to try more things? Yeah, I think it's the only way that that a brand is going to stand out. Um, there are so many choices. I mean, if you think about the smart TV choices, the the the, the opportunity you have to to pick and choose, you're going to choose something that resonates or is different. And I think that's I guess that's the survival of the fittest. But you've got to innovate and and be different and stand out to be noticeable. That's correct. Now, Matt, we, you know, we talk about mentoring a lot on both the Radio Rally, which is our Monday night event, and our Wednesday night, or as you would say, our Wednesday afternoon event, because you're in California. Uh, we we talk about mentoring a lot because we feel like that's it's very important. One of our guests actually said, why shouldn't you have a board of directors personally? Companies do it all the time. You, you know, I see you as somebody who gets involved beyond the job. You were the board president for the IRE from 2016 through 2018 and involved with them a lot longer. The investigative and I guess it's investigative reporters and editors. Can you tell us a little bit about that role and your involvement there, how you got involved? Yeah, I, I got involved with investigative reporters and editors literally from the moment I got into investigative reporting. Um, so my first job out of college in Houston, Texas, um, I, uh, IRE, just a quick backstory was, mm -hmm. uh, formed in, uh, I think it was 1975. There was a, uh, journalist for the, uh, Arizona Republic, um, who, um, was investigating the mob and, um, as you can imagine where the story's going to go, he was uh, killed. There was a bomb put in his car, and he never finished his story. So a, a group of journalists across the United States came together and finished his work, and that was the formulation of IRE. Um, and so IRE is all about mentoring. It's about, hey, here's how I did this story, so you can take my technique and apply it to your own work. Um, here's what I learned about uh, sunshine laws. Here's what I learned about um, doing computer-assisted reporting and data analysts. Um, so it's really a, a, an organization of mentorship. It's about 6,000 members. Um, so I, it was a long, always a part of my uh, work in journalism and um, you know the opportunity to be, be able to be involved and then eventually be on the board and then, you know, to be elected president was uh, was a reward, and uh, it's a great organization. It's got to be a great honor, and of course, uh, 
you can pick up lots of lots of different things from different people. I'm sure there's lots of sharing that goes on as well. Yeah, it really is. I mean, they we have they have multiple conferences. Um, a, uh, a one that's focused on computer assisted reporting and data, but also a, a, a national conference every year. Training in multiple cities. It it, it you know it, it is all about teaching each other, peer learning, and um, and, and, and how we can make our community of journalism stronger. Let's talk about Little Matt. That's what I like to call it. Like when we go back and we talk about that first television job that you took, what was the role that you were in and, and what were you like back then? So I went to college in Arizona, Arizona State. I'm the Sun Devil. Um, okay. And um, I uh, went to a career event. I think it was my sophomore year. Um, I had actually planned to not go into journalism, but actually be more on the production side. My dream was to work on Saturday Night Live. And um, really, uh, yeah. And I uh, went to a career event. I met an investigative reporter from a local TV station, and I was fascinated with what he was doing for a living. And I asked him if I could be his intern. And uh, uh, little Matt, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that internship and then it turned into a part-time job and by the time I was graduated it was a full-time job so um, you know I fell in love with investigative reporting I, I fell in love with uncovering the truth and telling stories um, I fell in love with production techniques and doing things differently um, I, yes. I got to, you know I got to work in a not a legacy TV station but a TV station that had just started doing news in the Phoenix market um, there was a, a big affiliation swap. And so um, it was it was an unbelievable alignment of uh, stars, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. And, and oh, I, yeah. I caught the bug. Well, look, we see all of this change in television. I mean, look, we're seeing it from our living rooms, right? So you've got all these different streaming options, everything that you talked about a few minutes ago. All media is changing because of consumers, this empowerment that they have at the tip of their fingers all the time, options, opportunities, and distractions. It's become so disruptive to where, you know, you said content was king. I think disruption might be king, too. There might be a little battle going on for, for our consumers or our listeners at radio and our viewers for television. Can you talk about all of this across time, not just in terms of today, but how you have seen these distractions, the new offerings, trying to drag consumers away from mainstream media, say, over the last decade, because it really has developed. And then the pandemic made it worse. Yeah, it's you know, I, I think it's it, the audience is more segmented than it ever has been, but there's more consumption going on than ever. Um, so I think as content creators, we have to focus on finding our audiences and being everywhere that they want to consume our content. You know, it's, do they want it on a linear fashion? Do they want it as a 24 seven channel? Do they want it, you know, on demand? Um, you know, do they want it as audio? Do they want it as video? You know, we've experimented quite a bit in the multi-platform concept. We, we, we started a, um, a podcast and TV show called my new favorite Olympian, uh, where we, we shoot it and it's, it's, it's great television, but it's also great audio. Um, you know, we just did a series, um, called, um, dying to be wrong, where we focused on San Angelo, Texas and how it had the dubious title of having the worst COVID numbers per capita in the country in September. And, um, you know, one of our storytellers, uh, is from there. And so he went home and, told the story, interviewed like 25 people and put together this beautiful documentary in four parts. But then the audio and the podcast was all about his personal story and how it affected him individually. So I think we've got to all think as content creators about where we're delivering our content and, and, and the platform and, and what works on that platform. You know, what I do on my 46 inch or 55 inch or some people have right. 85 inch TVs might be different than what I do for mobile. And, and I think that's the key. 
And and do you get fascinated looking at the different options? Do you A-B test stuff? Do you, you know, how much social is involved? How much blogging? How much uh, video? How much audio? What, how does it all come together for you all? I think it all starts with the story. Um, and I think that that, to me, is the recipe for success is what is it that I'm trying to tell you about? And then what's the best way to tell that story? Um, is it something that I'm going to, you know, in a traditional sense, am I going to track this story? Am I going to report it first person? Is it going to be documentary style? Um, are we going to have multiple cameras? Are we going to, you know, there's a saying in the business, low rent. Is it shot with a cell phone? Um, you know, what is the best way to document something? And then from there, then what is the best way to, to publish it? And I think that that's when you start having those conversations about, okay, here's what we're going to do on TikTok. Here's what we're going to do on Instagram. Here's what we're going to do on Twitter. Um, and here's what we're going to do on television. And, and I think every content piece has to have that discussion and that, that kind of roadmap. How much of that is done in advance and how much of that is there a pivot to? In other words, do you have laid out content strategy for all these different social media platforms and then a certain amount of wiggle room, if you will, or is it all planned out and mapped out? I mean, I think there's there's I think we have a process which is you know, think about all the platforms and, and what it is, but it comes back to that. What's the story? And it also comes back to that point I made earlier about teamwork. It's you've got to get everybody involved as early as you can to be thinking and, and be willing to pivot on the direction. You know, I mean, it's kind of like when you have a big interview, um, there's a moment in an interview where all of your questions get thrown out and you are now focusing yeah. on on the answer and um and and that is that's vital it's it, it, it all really is about the story I, I look i see that you have this significant history in los angeles and san jose you've also worked in houston texas and some other places how how are these markets different and how are they similar today or are markets becoming more and more similar you know i mean i've i've worked in large TV markets. I've worked in Houston, San Francisco, LA, um, you know, Phoenix. These are all big markets. Um, so there, there's a lot of similarities. I think, you know, the one thing that, that kind of holds true is, is community. Um, you know, I think that, that people have a sense of pride where they live. If you're a Houstonian, you're proud to be a Houstonian. If right. you're an Angelino, you're proud to be an Angelino. Um, and uh, people identify with the cities that they they flag as home. And um, and I think that there's a learning there that, you know, for local news to to lean in on that. And I, when you look at the 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 TV stations and the radio stations and the newspapers that that own their markets, they own their markets because they're the identity of those cities and represent the people there. Well, there are strong brands that mean something to those people. You know, I always say to clients that the brand is just, that's another word for trust. They trust you to tell them the story, right? Absolutely. You know, I, I think about, um, I think about LA. I've lived in LA more of my life than anywhere else. And, um, when I think of news in LA, even as a TV guy, <laughs> the one uh, media outlet that holds true to me is KNX. It's AM radio. Um, and that's probably wow. way off base for my demo, but um, they cover news around the clock and, and, and are everywhere. So you know you're going to get it if you tune in there. Boom, there it is. Yep, absolutely. All right. So let, let's swing over and talk. We're going to kind of we're going to kind of drop into social media for a minute, if you don't mind, you know, and talk about your teams and how they relate to social media today. And I want to break that down a little bit. You know, uh, uh, some people are reluctant or have been reluctant to get into social and to fully give themselves to the concept. You talked for a minute about, you know, should we shoot something on an iPhone, you know, 
And there is that experience in social where if it looks too perfect, eh, you know, the trust is gone. Can you give us some thoughts on being effective with your coach, with your uh, content management, your your content strategy using social for television? Because you're already visible, visual. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think it, it's um, there's there's points that translate and there are points that aren't. And I would say this and the approach we take, whether it works or doesn't work, I, I, you know, that's hard to evaluate. But I think at the end of the day, it's about what your team is comfortable with. If, you know, I am a pro on Instagram, then that's where I know how to create content for Instagram. But then if I said to you, hey, um, do that for Facebook, well, that's a different experience. And it is. leaning in on your team and your, your, your team to um, exploit what they feel more comfortable with makes all the sense in the world. I mean, look, you, you and I had this moment today. I, I, I had never been on Clubhouse, and right. now, now I'm here. Um, now look how might, experienced you are. You're doing good. Might, <laughs> it might be a whole new world, but um, – so I, I think that's key is that don't don't try to what's what's the saying don't try to make a square fit in a circle, um, yes. you know that that's really to me what works on social and when we've had success on social it's because something organically feels like it's going to work but it's also the person that's producing it knows how to navigate the platform the best. Well, you know what it is. People are passionate about what they're passionate about. If you try to fit them into something that they don't have any passion for, people can pick up on that pretty quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I have a final question for you before we get to our second interview. We're going to ask you to stick around too. But but my final question is the hardest one because it's all about the future. So if you had a crystal ball, we set it down in front of you right now. Oh, that looks so amazing. What do you think you would see that you could tell us about in the future of content? Well, it's all about the metaverse, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, right. Are you going to are you, by the way, are you going to live in the metaverse? You you can't wait to get your your whatever uh, what are they what are they called? The little the little avatars or Yeah, man, are you uh, are you are you have gun will travel? I want to go right into the metaverse and I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Is that, you? I, you know, I don't know. I think we're all figuring that out. And I think that's the beauty of, of a crystal ball question. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, storytelling is going to be the driver. Um, it's not going to leave us, right? It doesn't matter no. how it's delivered. It's, it's, there's still going to be people that are good at it and people want to hear stories. Hey, what is the greatest story ever told? It's the Bible. Um, right. we, we, we are, as humans, love a great story. And if somebody can capitalize on telling a great story, regardless of the platform, whether it's virtual, in person, or, or something that has yet to be invented, it's still going to be a great story. And that's where audiences are going to flock to. Matt, I want to thank you for joining us on Innovation and Audio. I hope you'll stick around in case uh, our our listeners on this event have some questions for you after our second interview, okay? Absolutely. If you haven't subscribed to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, you're already missing out on great content every single week. We have a huge archive, too, by the way. It's growing every single week. And uh, you you just won't believe what some people say on these live broadcasts that become our podcast, the Encouragers Innovation in Audio podcast. While you are listening to this live event, please make certain that you have joined the Encouragers. If you haven't, it's easy to do while you're on the Clubhouse app right now with us. We also want to encourage you to share it with other friends who are into radio, who are into audio, who are into innovation. You never know who's going to show up on the show. And of course, uh, we do have schedules, so you can get a little bit of a heads up. Follow the people on the stage tonight. Look around the room to connect with others. A big part of encouraging your career and audio is helping you to engage in robust networking, which we believe in. Find out what our guests talk about live every single week on Clubhouse, whether it's including the hacks that make your career better and certainly more innovative by subscribing to the uh, Innovation and Audio 
podcast. And of course, uh, we have those great guests for you live. You can visit with them yourself. Our podcast, we have two, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast and the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast are both on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Skim Dillard, we are lucky to have him every single week because listen, this guy's busy too. He is on uh, with WBLS and Hot 97 and, and he and I sort of sat down and started talking about innovation and audio and he said to me, he said, look, I just don't want it to be the same old people every week, the, the usual suspects if you were. So his idea was really to get outside the box a little bit. Skip, how are you doing, sir? I am doing well tonight. Enjoyed Matt's comments and, and learned a lot, as I always do, with uh, the guests you have, Lloyd. And, and I'm very privileged privileged to have someone who means the world to me, a uh, great colleague, counter as a friend, counter as a confidant, and somebody I can bounce things off of anytime. Uh, Dawn, how are you tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Skip. I'm grateful to be here. Well, I'm so happy to have you. And, and you know, let's let's start off. We're, we're both on, on opposite coasts. Uh, how, how, a little, uh, I guess, quality of life check. How, did, how have you survived uh, the pandemic uh, being out in California over the last year or so? You know, the pandemic, it treated me all right. Actually, it's actually really good, I'll say that, because I had a, a good time of really honing in and crafting um, my podcast. I started uh, Vitamin D as far as on the iHeart platform and all the other platforms during the pandemic. And wow. it was that point where I was just shaping myself, like mentally, physically, and getting Vitamin D launched and ready. That's so cool. And, and you know, you had a... Uh, We'll get into Steve Harvey in a minute, but I, mm -hmm. I think you took his advice and, and you jumped. He always talks about uh, taking the jump when you feel it's the right time. <laughs> and, and, and let's talk a little bit about the podcast about vitamin D and the concept and, you know, what makes Okay, so yeah, like you said, I went ahead and I decided to jump. You know, I think it comes to a point, and I just think, like, just even the evolution of just radio to television, and now we have streaming, all these mediums, to take a chance and go out the box. So, in an effort to support my dreams, I said, all right, I listen to this man every day, cultivating content, maybe I should take his advice. And um, I went ahead and did that. And, you know, Vitamin D, while it launched on iHeartRadio and the rest of the platforms um, in 2020, I actually started Vitamin D on SoundCloud back in, what was it, 2013? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vitamin D came to me. I said it was a multivitamin for your mind. And it's all about shedding light because it's a pun off my name. You get vitamin D from the sun. And music has always been something that has spoken to me. And I said, well, how can I connect with people without bashing them away? Whether I've come from a too authoritative figure or not in the church realm, but I can meet them at a level where they're already vibing at and then bring them in the light. So vitamin D is all about taking the lyrics of popular music and intertwining it to a motivational message. So it's one to two minutes. You will hear some of your favorite songs from some of your favorite artists. And then it's like, oh, I see what Dawn did there. There's an inspirational moment. <laughs> I uh. love it. <laughs> and, and what have you learned, Don, since you launched it? Because a lot of people, you know, they launch podcasts and, and they're kind of coaching themselves. You know, there are a few people that have hung their shingle out for podcast coaching, but they're not many. What have you learned since you started uh, doing these inspirational moments and then uh, expanding to interviews? Well, I'll say this. Doing radio, as far as, you know, being at... Uh, in Detroit with you and then being at BLS with you, we think things are on a time schedule. It's structured, you know, you're in, you're out. This is the programming, this is what you're talking about. So I'm coming in this mindset, producer mode on when starting the podcast, okay, we gotta hit this benchmark, this benchmark. But similar to how we're saying how content is uh, evolutionizing, so is the way that people wanna hear a conversation. Is it, do I want a complete interruption and say, hey guys, I'm here, we're talking about this, or hey, did I just step in the room? Many people right now are in Clubhouse. It may not, they may not have came on a big, you know, hoo-ha introduction, but they just stepped into the room. And so therefore, 
it gives people room to breathe. I'm doing my podcast, but I had to, to curb and say, okay, Dawn, let's relax a little bit. Maybe this episode isn't a, an hour. Maybe this may be 30. Maybe this may be 27. And I actually had a young lady. I was at a workout event, and she uh, subscribed to Vitamin D with Dawn Day, available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. <laughs> and she said, um, hey, I really enjoy the fact that the times aren't the same. She said, I listen to podcasts, and I feel like they try to fulfill a whole hour, and it feels forced. She said, even looking at the time, I feel pressure and anxiety about it. So I think that's what I think is so powerful about podcasts. It's allowing people to be exactly who they are and perfectly perfect, and people don't want it too polished. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and I want to talk technical with you for a minute. Like me, both of us, I know you're a big fan of microphones yes. and processing. <laughs> and, and every time we talk, you say, hey, Skip, I got this new microphone. The other so so friend. You know, for uh, the podcaster, uh, you do voiceovers. We're going to talk about that later. But for people that need a home studio in their spare bedroom or a corner in the kitchen, how do you go about setting that up? And, and you know, you don't have to go through all the tricks of the trade, but what are some basics you'd recommend looking into? Well, I think first and foremost, um, just keep in mind whatever your budget is and don't let things limit you. Because if you're talking about podcasting, you're just it's about getting the audio, getting the message out there. When I started out, I started with the Samsung USB microphone. And literally, I would have my laptop. I would be in my New York City apartment where there is no central air. Okay, And we can't cut on the air because it would interrupt the audio. I would have my comforter over my head and I would be doing my vitamin D moments. But then as I progressed on, I uh, went ahead and had the, um, the Blue Yeti. It's a $100 microphone. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that um, folks could look at. And then once I started getting some more gigs and uh, radio, as far as voiceovers, I checked out the Rode NT1A. That's a, I think it's about 200, 250. That was, uh, I think, something that we can play with. But right now, uh, which I find is very extremely helpful, and it's actually part of my setup, whether I'm recording here in the studio in Sherman Oaks or I'm at my home, is the Electro Voice, the RE27ND. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's pretty much my favorite. Uh, and that's what I'm using now. And in fact, as we're talking about setup, I actually am coming in on the RE27ND. I have my phone plugged into my roadcaster. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so I find that those are some of the things that I would look at. If you cannot, if you don't see yourself purchasing the entire roadcaster, then perhaps just getting a USB microphone, getting that Blue Yeti to get you set up. And then if you do have the funds available, I would definitely recommend the roadcaster Pro and the RE27ND microphone. Very cool. Cool. So, you know, Don, we met, uh, you were an intern. I was the <laughs> operations manager at Radio One Detroit. You were a high schooler and you already had kind of a gift of gab. I remember after you guys finished your projects, you could come and I was sitting in on air one day and I was like, wow, this is a talented young lady. And, and next thing I know, a, year, a couple of years later, I'm at WPGC in mm -hmm. Washington, get a call out of the blue from you. Hey, I'm at Howard University on a scholarship. And I'm like, oh, my God. So we met and then all of a sudden I'm listening and you're doing um, voiceovers for uh, Howard's, uh, which is rare for, for most colleges, but Howard has a top rated number one commercial radio station, WHUR. And you were doing voiceover work in their HD channel. I was like, oh my God, she's, yeah. she's serious here. <laughs> so you, you graduate, and next thing I know, you give me a call. You're in New York. I'm at BLS by that time, and you're at Ketchup Public Relations. And then you said, you know, I don't know about this public relations thing. <laughs> and you had other things, television, other places that you, you could could look at, you know, the NBCs of the world and all of the Sirius XMs and but, um, you know, what made you choose uh, radio? Because when I hired you at BLS and, and LIB, you seemed to jump on right in and you were doing everything from remotes to running boards and helping out with marketing, whatever. And what, what made you say, OK, this radio thing is OK with you? OK, so I'll tell you how it started. It started I was in a high school program called Scoop in Detroit. Scoop was sponsored by the Public Benefit Corporation, and it allowed Detroit high school students to create public service announcements. So we actually produced and put on projects, and just like we were talking about before and how Matt mentioned, everything is about storytelling. So 
speech and speaking, that is my thing. I take pride. I love to talk. So everyone was like, hey, Dawn, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, can you do the voiceover for my PSA? I'm like, sure. Once I did one, everybody's like, hey, hey, do this, do this. So what I realized is that I was like, oh, I got something with this voice. I was like, I think I can probably make some money with this. One of the students, uh, she was a year older than me. She was going back to college and she went to Howard. And so that's how I got on the Howard train to say, oh, I'll check out Howard. So when I got to Howard, I realized that I was teaching a lot of the seniors how to edit the projects on Final Cut Pro. Like I knew all this, but what was in my heart is that I knew I had a voice. So that's why I had, although I had majored in television production, I was in the audio all day with Professor Miles. I would be in that studio, book in that studio from 6 a.m. and do that to all the way to 8 p.m., literally. I was the kid that when we had the next tales, I don't know if you guys remember the next tale cell phones. I would be using my Adobe Audition and producing <laughs> and making my ringtones. And it was like that moment that my ear was really tuned in to, okay, what is this radio thing? I love radio, but my background and my history is in TV production. Well, as we know, when we look at the medium, how everything started, it started in radio to there. So I was already in the family, but just coming from the foundation. So once after that, and like you said, we had met, I was uh, interning in the promotions department. And probably staying late because, you know, first one to get there, last one to leave. I'm soaking everything up. Oh, yeah. I probably left out of there where Cabina was at. Mm -hmm. And I passed by the studio and I saw you in there. And I said, <laughs> well, who is this guy? And, you know, if you sit down with me and talk, you know, I'm going to ask you about 50 billion questions. Oh, yeah. And you took time to listen to me. And you took time to answer. And here's the thing, guys. I probably was only in there maybe 30 minutes or an hour with Skip. Nothing long, but enough with the shift. And he was just explaining what radio was about and his experience. And I'm just like, wow, wow. And I'm thinking Mason in the morning. Like the whole shebang. Okay, so now I go back to Howard. So Kabina Young, who was the marketing director down there, mm -hmm. she said, Dawn, you know, Skip is out in Detroit. Uh, uh, DC. So I would literally drive probably like an hour to send to sit down with Skip for 15 minutes, but I had no intention. It was just to say, hey, I'm going to meet up with you and talk. And so as that evolutionized, we developed our relationship. But then also how I got to New York was like you mentioned, I had a a, a fellowship with Catching Public Relations. And when I got back to Detroit and I stepped away from radio for a second, um, Catching Public, uh, Daimler Chrysler called me to work in their PR department. Well, that was a paid internship. I said, well, who's going to, you know, pass that up? So what yeah, I did was I went ahead to do that. Well, let's fast forward. While I'm at Howard, I go ahead. I intern at um, Clear Channel. I was at mm -hmm. Sirius XM. Like you said, I did WHUR World. I was at BET. I pretty much did everything because I, I was just that girl. But so on my way of graduating, well, they saw on my resume that I was at Daimler Chrysler in their public relations department. And it's interesting as I even further with this conversation how I've been the one that always goes through the back door. Well, she saw yeah. that on there. And she, we interviewed, and of course, like you said, Dawn is going to use that gift of gab. So without any experience, truly, with public relations, um, they hired me on the spot. But guess what? That was my ticket to New York. And like yeah. you said, it was kind of like we did our piggyback with one another of just keep traveling and traveling. Um, so once that fellowship was over, you said, hey, Dawn, you want to come and check out the station, the studio? I was like, okay. I remember just making up excuse to the job. I said, oh, my family's out of town. My family's in town. And um, it just so happened that the baton was passed. And there I was in the Quiet Storm studio where the legendary Vaughn Harper was. And Cynthia yeah. Smith said to me, Dawn, do you know with one touch of a button, you control what millions of people can hear? And uh, yeah, that was that bud to get me to WBLS. Yeah, no, it was a, you know, really uh, quite a journey. And and you know, after several years with us, you 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 know went the, dealt with a lot and, and learned a ton. And I remember that conversation. We said, "Hey, Skip, I think I'm, I've got things together. I'm going to move to LA." And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, uh, you you know you you had a few positions there. Um, you work with people and work with uh, some some very well known uh, mm -hmm. celebrities and motivational speakers. And mm -hmm. then uh, you you know everybody. I tell people be prepared because the big gig came along and they called me and said, "What do you think?" And I was like, "Please, if you can get her, 
get her now. And next thing we know, you're working for Premier's very tip-top popular Steve Harvey morning show, about 100 or so affiliates. Uh, you were handling all of their social media and beat many of their shows that uh, you know are just as high and, and even higher profile and, and really took digital for uh, that syndicated show to the next level. And what was it like working with a Steve Harvey and his team? I know that there are a lot of challenges when you're dealing with not only top talent, but people who are very much in demand and you've got to get them calm enough to record a video and they're trying to figure <laughs> out what time their private jet uh, is, is going to be finished fuel so they can get the LAX. I mean, how, you know, what was that experience like for you? You know, it, every, it was, a, it was, everything happened so quickly, but, and I think I was trying to get so busy trying to get ready for it, but I was like, Dawn, you've been prepared for this. You know content. You know what's out there. Uh, the learning curve that I would say is to understand that dealing with the premiere show, Steve Harvey Morning Show, that had been together 20 plus years, is that they're already a unit. So now the eye is, who's this young girl and who is she and why is she here? Thank goodness, with mentors such as yourself, thank goodness that I went out there an opportunity and had every internship as possible to understand of how to play the position when walking in and it's head down, let's do the work. So it was a matter of um, making sure humble because when you talk about them, you gotta think about these some old cats. And when I say old cats, they've been around for a while. So ways of respecting of how you come in, how you are dressing, not to make yourself belittle, but just to know that you're stepping in their territory. And if you have any respect for anybody that's radio and to know that the journey and for them to last that long at that level, that's what I did. And so one thing that I really enjoyed that what Matt said is talking about giving people the opportunity and the freedom to be creative. And I have to thank Jennifer Lime Gruber for that. While I didn't know exactly what the stories I was telling or what was going on, the fact that I had the create, creative power to do Dawn, which led me to have an account, and I'm just gonna speak as far as Instagram, where I started that account at 34,000, and when I departed in April, that was up to 954,000. Wow. And so just like I said, you know, content is king. Well, I like to say that I'm a queen because <laughs> I really took and listened to the voice. And, you know, we do have to be considerate and taking in consideration about which platforms that we're in, how we're curating the content. But what are you trying to say? What I didn't want to do is I didn't want to be necessary a megaphone of what everybody else was saying. I wanted to get what was going to appeal to that audience because if I come and I want to go to a restaurant, I want a bacon cheeseburger, I don't want a, a BLT. I want my bacon cheeseburger. So when people are coming to hear Harvey, well, what is his voice? What is his style? How does he move? So once I began to really put my foot forward and really show them that, hey, I'm responsible. Hey, I can be a leader. Hey, watch what I do with the social media. That which also launched me to have the opportunity even to be considered to have a weekend segment. So I had a weekend segment on the Steve Harvey Morning Show um, entitled What's Happening? And you know how I say, that's what I mean about sometimes just going through the back door because here I was doing digital content and now I have the weekend segment. Um, but it was definitely, I say that, an interesting process. And, and I'll say this, one more thing. We think about uh, this whole land, this digital landscape, and I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, aged out and, oh, this is for the millennials. Well, look what I did with the show. I, I went down, I was one of the lowest shows, if not the lowest, and as far as the followers, and that's beating, we're talking about the um, hot station. So I'm talking about a Ryan Seacrest. I'm talking about an Elvis Duran. I'm talking about a big boy. People want a story. So any type of myth of, oh, if you're older, oh, if you're a baby boomer, you don't use social media, I debunked that. So again, I want to echo, it's all about the story. Yeah, and Don, you know, I guess question from all of the experience and time you put in, um, what's, what's going to be the next phase for the social media world? Like, you know, we've seen the rise of TikTok, but you know, in terms of content, you, you've dealt with a lot you've seen a lot what do you what do you feel really is going to be sticky in the next uh in the next year as we move forward everybody's doing video 
that's where we'll be at. Um, and we're pretty much seeing it now. And I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, truly, honestly, I know we tapped in a little bit talking about this whole virtual reality, that people will probably be sitting at home and going on dates virtually. Mm interacting virtually hanging out virtually heck you can play games in your own house with somebody pretending to sit next to you virtually it's true um but yeah i think that's where i see a lot of the content happening and i I see a lot of um there's a lot of room for growth for so many people to bring forth new content and i hope that more creators are just creating and those who have already made it create the space like a Issa ray for people to put out great content very cool. You know, uh, you know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about your voiceover work. You've taken quite a few improv and acting courses. You've taken advantage of that since since moving to Los Angeles. And you've done a few films. You've done some TV shows. You've been uh, cast in a couple of TV series. And, and you get better and better at it. But I've noticed it's also helped you with your voiceover work. How does all that correlate with acting oh, man. and voiceovers? Oh, man. You'll hear me scream it from the mountaintop. I study improv at the Groundlings, and it's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Um, Groundlings, uh, you've heard Matt mention about he had aspirations with working with SNL. Well, I mm-hmm. aspire to be an SNL player. Hey. But a lot of the members uh, from the Groundlings have went on, yeah. like a Will Ferrell, like a Maya Rudolph, like Pee Wee Herman. I mean, like so many people uh, have come from that school. And what I love about the Groundlings is that you look at them, or I shouldn't say Groundlings, let's just say improv, because you have UCB, Second City, and so forth, is that while you're performing and you're talking, it's all about listening. Mm-hmm. And if we're telling a story, what do people want to hear? We have to know. But then also just having that conversation and that dialogue. And so while being at the Groundlings, first and foremost, it has definitely heightened my sense of listening. Also in the being the now moment, um, the creativity and with the listening, I'm, I'm more quick with it when it comes with different puns or different words, because now I'm looking at things more creatively. I'm in a space where I've allowed myself to say yes and with that flexibility. And I've seen that with so much growth with um, my voiceovers. Um, I'm currently signed with Coast to Coast out here in Los Angeles uh, because we work with our characters. Growlings are all about developing characters. And when you think about these characters, well, Let's think about it. What about that target mom? She's trying to sell you a television. What does she sound like? What is she wearing? Is she your girlfriend? Is she a controlling mom? That's what the Groundlings allows us to do, or just improv. It allows you to peel back the characters. And as we've been echoing throughout the entire uh, podcast, the story. What's the story? So now I have a more heightened sense of awareness of the story behind these characters I'm portraying, whether it be on voiceover or whether it be on the screen. And like you said, I came out to L.A. I was in a short film called Yummy's Dilemma, then had the opportunity to be on a Kirby style with Timothy Snell, and then recently was on For the Love of Jason. And again, it's like that whole development process. It echoes the same way I was telling you how I started with that Samsung USB microphone to now having the Electro Voice, and who's to say what's going to grow from there? <laughs> That's so cool. And, and Dawn, you're still young in this business, as they say. Uh, how do you see your future? And, and if you could write your own story, what would you want your legacy to be when, when you sit back and say, okay, I'm, I'm going off to the beach? <laughs> <laughs> Skip, I'm going to be bigger than Oprah. And when I say that, amen, when I say that is more so for the reach of what I'm going to aspire. I like to say that I am a conduit of inspiration. uh, To say that that Dawn did, I can too. And my my whole thing that I would I want everyone to take away more than this job, more than anything, because it'll align you right in your purpose is understanding that you are are your greatest asset. As long as you keep folding in whatever is the voiceovers, whatever is the radio, whatever is the improv, the working out, or just simply resting, you can't go wrong. And if I can get the world to see the light, oh man, that's vitamin D, baby. (laughs) All right, that's what I'm talking about. Dawn, listen, thank you so much. And how can people reach you? It's uh, social, uh, email, what, what, what works for you? Yes. Okay. Well, on all social media, you can find me at Dawn Day Speaks. That's Dawn D-A-I Speaks. Also, make sure you check out the podcast. It's available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Vitamin D with Dawn D-A-I. And I'd love to hear from you. Um, If you want to email me, 
Dawn at DawnDaySpeaks.com. Oh, the only yeah, thing bro. I didn't give you was my social security number. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. No, <laughs> but listen, Don, we love you. Thank you so much. You're always an inspiration to everybody that meets you. And much success. Uh, and, and when you get there to Oprah status, uh, you know, just save me a ticket to your show. <laughs> Skip, you're going to be right there. <laughs> oh, man. Stick around for a couple of seconds here in case anybody has any questions. And we're going to hand it over to Lloyd. It's all yours. All right. I know that if you're listening right now or you're listening later on the podcast, welcome in to Los Angeles, Los Angeles or Saturday Night Live, which is what we're doing. Uh, Dawn, if you could go ahead and mute your uh, microphone right there. With a, 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 there's just a little integrity issue sometimes with the, uh, doing Clubhouse and it will not allow uh, for too much of that. When you, Listen, when you show up here at one of our live events, we do like to ask you. Uh, to like our group, the encouragers, and to share it with others you know that like innovation or audio. Don't forget to follow the people on the stage during this event. Look around the room, connect with others. We're big believers in connection and mentoring and networking on the encouragers. We want to thank you for being here and participating with our live events. We are going to open up the room in case you might have questions for one of our guests or anybody on our panel. Of course, uh, we ask that you you raise your hand. There's a little button at the bottom. You can see that on your screen. It's got a little hand stuck up there. And that's how you get to us. We do ask that you mute your microphone until you're called on. Uh, as previously talked about, the the integrity of the vocals on Clubhouse kind of get in the way sometimes if there are too many microphones open. By the way, when you, in, when you join the encouragers, we do have people who come to only listen. We're Okay with that too. Our goal is to provide you with interesting content and advice, career hacks to move your career forward and to encourage you. But we don't mind sharing the stage with you if you're so inclined. So we do like to at least extend the offer every Wednesday, but don't feel pressured to talk. This is a safe place for everyone just to show up and listen. Don't forget on Monday, you can join us at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the radio rally on Clubhouse right here on the Encouragers. This Monday, November the 8th, we have Chase Patrick Murphy's brand manager, marketing, published author. You're going to find out about him. And Corey Dillon, who is amazing, who does mornings at 100.7 Big FM in San Diego, will be our co-host on Monday, November 8th. We also will bring another guest, Dennis Glasgow, who will be here. He is the program director of WONKFM iHeartMedia in Washington, D.C. Very excited to have him on because he does news talk and we're going to kind of get down in the nitty gritty. Tell your friends in innovation, audio, and specifically radio that they can get our free resources at RainmakerPathway.com in our free blog section at any time. I do have a question for Matt. And Matt, listen, uh, this question is about what is your favorite social media personally for news well um i follow twitter a lot um it's kind of become the replacement of the uh the ap wire if you will um isn't that crazy and yeah. do you trust everything you see on twitter or no crazy i mean part? the investigator in me is always evaluating what i read but you know you got to look at what the information is and what the source is Right. You're always armed with, wait, what, how can I source this another way to make sure it's correct, right? Absolutely. All right. And Dawn, what is your favorite and most effective way to promote your podcast? I love promoting my podcast on Instagram, uh, giving snippets and highlights from interviews and quick doses. All right. And you would say that's your favorite, you know, because usually Instagram is kind of visual. I know that you're your podcast is too, is it not? Yes, my podcast is visual. So um, we have the, it's my on my personal page at Dawn Day Speaks as well as Vitamin D, Dawn Day. Mm -hmm. But what I find is like I was saying how everything transfers over of how so many people are attracted to the visual. I use this right. um, application called Link in Bio and you can go ahead and once you click on there, you can click on the link 
and then it takes you straight to the podcast. And then also, if you guys are not aware, have not been aware, there was a limit on Instagram that you had to have a certain amount of followers in order to put a link up. Well, with uh, the visual stimulation, now when I put up snippets from my interviews or the podcast or highlights of inspirational insights, I have the link I can post there. So now when you're on your Instagram stories, it clicks the link and takes you straight to the podcast. And is that more, are the stories more effective than just the post of something on your Instagram profile or do you find both are effective? I definitely, they both have their advantages. You say if you post it on your page, it lives there forever. If it's on your story, it's only there for 24 hours. But hey, here's the key. The uh, accessibility as far as sharing is so much easier. So if you share a post on your page, chances are that if it's a video, you're going to have to click it in the story for it to play rather than a story if you share. It just plays the video. And I think that goes into the attention span and when people are trying to come in right with the action of whatever you're promoting. I am so grateful to have had both of you. And it's interesting. Sometimes we put guests together. We don't know that they're going to have things in common. And you certainly both do. We do try to keep things to about an hour. I do want to say our thanks goes out to Matt and on for being such amazing and patient and giving guests. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing our uh, podcast, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast, which will be available within probably minutes. And of course, it'll be everywhere later tonight, uh, wherever you get your podcast. And we want to thank JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share our podcast since we have two, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast with others interested in growing their careers in audio. Both podcasts are available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. And uh, please remember, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of Innovation and Audio with the Encouragers, and good night.